G'day everybody, it has been quite some time. January 30th, 2022 was the last time an episode of another bloody movie podcast hit the waves of the internet. It has been a year and change, but you know what, we're finally back. We've missed a lot. I went, I saw 46 films at MIF. That last episode was for the Europa Film Festival, the first ever one. Another Europa Film Festival has come and gone since that episode came out. So a lot's happened. My footy team won the premiership and they suck again now. Everything's happening. But you know what? The movies never stop. So what better time to come back than right now? This is another bloody movie podcast. We're back. I'm, of course, Sean Coates. Thank you so much for listening. Needless to say, big show, lot to cover, and I can't do it on my own. And so I've got someone, someone who I've wanted to get on the podcast ever since I've known him, uh, film critic Harris Dang, or as you might know him if you own the uh, Blu-ray copy of Nobody, critic name. <laughs> oh, hello everyone. My name is Harris Dang, also known as critic name, uh, embarrassingly enough, and uh, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> So t talk us through that. Just before we get into the films we're talking about today, we're going to be covering the Mario movie, we're going to be covering Air, and we're also going to be doing a brief overview of the French Film Festival, but mainly focusing on the new Quentin de Pierre film, Smoking Causes Coughing. But just just give a bit of context for the critic name dash publication drama. What would you even call it? The debacle? Oh, it's a, I wouldn't say a shit show, but it's uh, something along those lines, yeah. <laughs> So, the way it started off, I was told about it by uh, a Twitter mutual, I believe it was another film nerd. He had shown me a picture of the Blu-ray cover from JB, and I thought, they said, oh, I thought this was hilarious. It just says, oh, an absolute blast, or I forgot what the quote was. Um, let me just check this to be sure. Ah, yeah, there we go. An absolute blast from start to finish. And it said hyphen critic name publication. And I thought that was hilarious, like for the first five seconds. And then and then I realized, wait a minute, that quote looks familiar to me. So I looked at my review, I'm thinking, holy shit, that's mine. I'm like, that's not and, and I'm like, what? It can't be true. And I, and then I asked other people, you know, JB Hi-Fi, you know, check if the copy was true. And I'm like, yeah, it actually is. And I thought, Oh my god, this is just <laughs> embarrassing. Because but, you, your name is on the Blu-ray and the 4K. Like, so you were quote, you you were pull quoted for the DVD of Nobody, and and hmm. your name is on the D, on the DVD and the 4K version of the film. But for whatever reason, on the Blu-ray, there was a typo, or they just they just <laughs> left the placeholder in there by accident. <laughs> Normally. I would be uh, upset or, or disappointed <laughs> over this, but of all films that had this had to happen on, it was for nobody. <laughs> of all films, like it could have been for like I don't know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire or Parasite or something, but it had to happen for nobody. And for that alone, I still laugh about this story to this day. <laughs> it's incredible, like, and, and that's the first instance I've ever heard of that happening to somebody. And you'd been pull quoted a couple of times before that, or was that your very first? Because if that was your first, oh, that that would sting. That would really sting. No, that wasn't my first. I think my first was for Top Not Detective. 
the mockumentary, the Aussie mockumentary one was weird, but the Japanese TV show, yeah, that, that was that was fun. <laughs> oh, nice. I've, I mean, I've technically been done once, but that was for uh, a film festival program guide, and that was uh, from friend of the show Hudson Sawada, who does the Fantastic Film Festival of Australia. Who ho- I'm hoping that's coming up again soon. I'm hoping to get him on the show to talk about his, the new program there because there's some good stuff playing there. Um, mm. But yeah, we might as well get stuck right into the film. So again, we, we we've just bagged out the people of Universal for um, uh, <laughs> getting your name wrong on the Blu-ray cover of Nobody. But we have to thank them for well for both of the films that we're going to talk about today because uh, they very mm. graciously let us see uh, separately. So Harris is based in Sydney. I'm based in Melbourne. Um, they very graciously let us see screenings uh, quite early of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, so just before we get into this film, what's your experience with the Mario franchise, the Mario franchise games and any other stuff to around that? Yeah. So, uh, I, as with a lot of, uh, young people, I grew up playing the games. Uh, I grew up playing on the Nintendo entertainment system, which is basically the giant gray box with the cartridges you have to blow in the middle in order to put it in, in order to play it. So yeah, I played like Super Mario Brothers one, two, and three, and you know the uh, the Game Boy, Super Mario Land, and that stuff. And then basically through the Super Nintendo Entertainment System with Super Mario Brothers one, two, and three, and World, and so on, Nintendo sixty four, until basically up to Nintendo GameCube. So yeah, a lot of a uh, Nintendo experience to them. Right. Okay. So I was never really a Nintendo kid. And the first uh, mm. Nintendo console I had was the Nintendo console that everybody had, which was the Wii. And so, <laughs> I mean, and they did do a, in like probably about 2009, 2008, they did a, like a remastered um, Mario game for the Wii. And that mm. was sort of my introduction. Like I, I would, <laughs> I was aware of Mario, but I'd never really played it. Like even at friends' houses, like I maybe played Super Smash Brothers, but like that was like my only really experience until I got the Mario game for the Wii, which I enjoyed, but like I've never been a Mario super fan, although I did like that one game. Mm. And I think I played one of maybe just like rented back when you could rent games from Video Easy. I think I played like one of the Super Mario Galaxy games in that as well. So a casual fan of Mario, I guess you could say for me. So we're getting two different perspectives here. I guess my one my one word my one sentence review of this would be um, the Easter Bunny can take a break this year because the Super Mario Brothers movie is just like overflowing with Easter eggs and it just he does he just doesn't need to do his job this year he just doesn't. <laughs> yeah, my perspective on that is that Easter eggs do not make a movie. No, I'll sum that up. That's that's to sum up my reaction of the entire thing as nicely and succinctly as possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you you mentioned the thing of blowing into the cartridge. I mean, there's even a joke about that somewhere in the movie that I caught. Um, and look, uh, to be honest, the Easter eggs didn't bother me that much. Like, it's not ready play. It's not as ready play Nintendo as I thought it was going to be. But when you watch this movie, you can tell that it is market tested to the end of its life like as i've never seen a film that is such a surefire hit four quadrant like reviewer proof just like home run for the box office the easiest billion dollars anyone will ever make and yet this movie feels so it lacks any confidence or any conviction in what it is it's a film that feels like it took every single studio note or comment card from a test audience 
and implemented every single piece of feedback into this movie. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like, like the, the, as I would like to say there's a narrative, but there really is none. It's really just a string of moments where the audience can just go, oh, I recognize this novel. Oh, I recognize this piece of score. Oh, I recognize that character and this character. Mm-hmm. And it goes on like that for a hundred minutes, a hundred almost excruciating minutes <laughs> where I just, I just sat, I just sat there in the screening saying to myself, am, is, am I here to see a movie or am I here to see like an advertisement? No, it, it is, this is a, uh, like, I'm not even going to say, like, it's not even a backdoor pilot because it's, it's very upfront about it. It's like, this is a, a PowerPoint presentation for a Nintendo cinematic universe, essentially. And like, I mean, isn't that there's already a Donkey Kong movie announced, I'm pretty sure, with Seth Rogen, who I think does it uh, like, and here's the thing I'll say, the celebrity voices in animated films, like they can be hit or miss. And I will give credit to Keegan-Michael Key and Jack Black, because they're really trying in this film. They're actually doing voices. Jack Black in particular, I think, is doing a good performance. He's just saddled with some really bad comedy, like really, really bad Yes, really, really bad comedy. And to the point where he, he sings in the film. I mean, like, that's in his contract. Of course, you've got Jack Black in a movie. He's got to sing. and But just in terms of the music as well, like the Easter eggs didn't piss me off that much. I think what really annoyed me was every single instance of licensed music because it is so played at this point. And it's, it's just ridiculous. And it's like you have Brian Tyler who does what I think is a really good sort of orchestral score that implements the, um, implements the Koji Kondo's original score from mm. the games. Like, I think it incorporates them all really well. But it's just all of that goodwill is detracted from every single lazy needle drop that is in this movie. Like, oh, there's like when you get the Mario brothers running through uh, Brooklyn to get through a, um, to get to a plumbing job because their car's breaking down and credit that scene mm. does have like a, a thing where it's shot where the cameras move and the camera moves like it does in the video game to sort of emulate the sort of platformer style that it has. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But then as soon as that starts and we hear no sleep to Brooklyn, I'm like, fuck off. It's you're just, <laughs> At least they didn't go the Star Trek route and pick the other obvious Beastie Boys uh, song, but it's not just that. It's like there's "Take on Me" by Aha gets dropped with it with no, uh, like just out of nowhere. Um, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Not even a month ago, had Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero in a really, really uninspired and really lame sort of scene, and fucking Super Mario Brothers does it too. It's infuriating. I I knew I was doomed like like the first minute in the film where it featured the uh the music from oh, Hotel Bill. Yeah, Battle yes. Without Honor of Humanity. Yeah. Yes. I thought, oh my god, I am in for it straight away. And it's I I don't even know if kids will even get the reference, let alone no. Yeah, let alone adults thinking of a score that came of a movie that came out twenty years ago. It's just 
And it's just, mm. and it, yeah, like literally 20 years ago. That's maybe a joke from like 2005. Like, that's like what a joke that one of the bloody Scooby Doo movies would make. You know, like, <laughs> it just, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. And I will say, yes, the animation is good, but I can't, like, it's like really good. Like, you can see, like, I think the Illumination sort of house style works really well with the Mario characters. And part of me, the cynic, the cynic in me sort of looks at that and it's like, oh, because it, it, as clean and as sharp as that animation style is, it is also very plasticky and to use a term from the late great Charles Schumacher, toyetic. Like every single thing is like made to look like a toy, more so than the video games did. And you can just, you can just see, you can just see the bloody illuminate. You can see Chris Melodondry just like counting the money, behind, like while this movie is being made. You can just see it happening. It is very, very, very reverential, but it's almost like suffocatingly so. It's like to the point where it's like, yeah, it's exactly like the game, but. If it's only that, then what's the point of making it into a movie? For example, it's like there's there's, there's no chance or or opportunity to be creative with the source if you're just you know basically photocopying the source. If that makes sense, it's it's it just is what it is, and you know it's it's an it's meant to be an adaptation there's supposed to be some sort of like you know creative follow-through behind that but there's there's none there's none of that it's incapable of guile pun intended but you know it's incapable of guile (laughs) i mean i i'm surprised how much like in terms of like how the movie starts out like it weirdly starts out a lot like the 93 adaptation you know, like they're, they're Brooklyn plumbers that sort of like that <laughs> that get transported to like this other weird world. And um, I, like to, to my knowledge, like in the Mario games, Mario and Luigi were just characters within that world. Like it yes. didn't seem. Yeah. So I, I just never understood. Like they didn't learn from the mistake that that movie made three, six, 30 years ago. And it isn't as it's not even as like. Out, as outlandishly stupid as that movie is to be entertaining on that level and to be no, honest no. we act we act we're, we're acting as if we're sort of pissed off about it but to be honest this movie just isn't really worth the energy <laughs> to be angry at because, yeah, because... It, it, you're just going to feel defeated because it's like well of course this movie is going to make a, a billion dollars it's yeah, already it's already course... on track. It's I think it's on track for like a two hundred million plus opening worldwide, or that might even just be in the states. Who knows? <laughs> and of course, fans will like it because it looks exactly like the game. Which you know, I I, I credit that it is it does mm. look exactly like the game, but that's yeah. that's really all that it is. And, yeah. And, and as I mean for the cast. Oops, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, I think the cast is going to lead into what I was going to say. So you had it. You go ahead. Like you know, people were complaining a lot when Chris Pratt was cast as Mario, and there is one joke in the film which I thought was kind of amusing. Where it's not really a spoiler because this clip is already in on YouTube and it's already the shown scene? out in the world. Or like the yeah, intro, how the, they, yeah. Oh, well, actually, it's the scene where um the brothers having that plumbing ad. 
yeah. to promote on TV. Yeah, that adds out a bit. So the joke is, is that they are exaggerating their accents in the ad. And then everyone's like, oh, your accent's great. You, you know, you do the, you know, it's a me, you know. But in, in outside of the ad, they don't do the accent. So, mm. so clearly the, the filmmakers are making fun of the fact that these characters are doing the accent. Yeah. But outside, they don't do it as much. I think it could have leaned, it could have leaned into it as well, because I think the directors of this movie wrote the um, Teen Titans movie, right? Teen Titans Go Yes, movie. yes. Yeah. Mm. Which I've seen bits. I, I think I saw like half of it on TV, like a couple of years, like a year after it came out or something. So I haven't seen the full movie, but it like it seems like it's you know it kind of feels like an episode of like Tiny Toons or something like that. Like with the sort of self-referential beast that that sort of movie was. And I thought it, like the parts that I did see was genuinely funny. And I thought we might have been going in that direction with the Mario Brothers movie, but it just sort of either forgets about it or is just like now nah, we can't be bothered anymore. It, it literally yeah. just there for that one joke, and also to put to put that in a nice little bow. The guy who's I think they're watching it in a pizzeria because where else? I, I think there's some guy who I think is playing a Jumpman arcade game, um, and 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 he was like, I think the accents were great. Wahoo! That is voiced by Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario in games for, and and Luigi in <laughs> video games for over thirty years now. So it's just. Ugh. I wish that inspiration, that type of inspiration was throughout the film as opposed to just that one scene. What we were going to say, in terms of the Easter eggs and things like that, or like it, specifically things from the game that are very slapdash and haphazardly worked within the narrative of the film, like some of them actually are kind of interesting. Others are just like, this is just, you just needed to put this in here, didn't you? <laughs> Yes. Th- th- this was like, on a comment card. Th- this was on a comment card of an early test screening of like, where's the carts? So let's add a whole sequence and it's like, oh, I wanted to see Rainbow Road. Speaking of the carts, like, I swear the, the there is no segue into that. It's just like, no. oh, we were, we were just in the 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 kingdom with all the, the monkeys here, Kongs. And all of a sudden there's like Oh, we're we're into go karting all of a sudden. Where did you get all that stuff? Where did that come from? It it makes no goddamn sense. I will say though, I think my favorite part of the movie, and I think there is genuine, like the only genuine laughs I really got out of the movie, outside of that opening scene that you mentioned, was the the sort of the the arena fight that he has with Donkey Kong that's in some of the trailers. There's some genuine good slapstick comedy in that. And also, like, mm. there's a training montage where he's trying to get through an obstacle course and keeps failing and trying and failing. And there's genuinely funny moments in that. I think my favorite moment was the um, the bluish creature in the jail. The oh, prison. Yeah. Like that, that had jokes in the trailer already. So basically, it's depression and negative air. Like, the jokes that came from that were, were quite funny. Like, saying, like, oh... Oh, I can't wait for the sweet release of death. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. Overall, it's fine. I mean, we've just crapped on it for 20-odd minutes. But look, if you want to go see it, go see it. If you love the Mario movies, go see it. But if you're expecting anything more than just like a... Uh, uh, 
I don't know. If you're expecting anything more than just like a portfolio for executives on what this what on what this franchise will of what this franchise is going to be in the future, then you you've just you've already lost. Ooh, and let's not forget, there's a there's a end credit scene. You mustn't skip mm-hmm. it because no. that's, that's the norm these, yes, that's the norm there's, these there, days. There's the, the, it, there is a character that is uh, noticeably absent from this movie that might appear in an end credit scene. But that's the thing. That, that's what confused me. Like, you see that type of character in the film, like in the middle of the film in the montage. So it's not really much of a surprise. Like it's, it's already there. Like that, that just bothered me. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so the Super Mario Brothers is out in cinemas from today. Um, again, as I said, now the Easter release date makes way too much sense. Now, I think this was originally meant to come out at Christmas, and now it's been it was pushed to Easter, and it's pretty obvious to see why. And to continue the uh, uh, making uh, of the capitalism rules uh, weekend at the box office, we have this. Uh, we apparently have this week. Um, we go on to air, um, which is the uh, the Nike story, essentially, or the yes. Nike story to court uh, courting a legend, as the um, uh, the tagline uh, calls it, of how Nike, who were basically on the verge of bankruptcy, or or no, not on the verge of bankruptcy, but they were their basketball division was in the vis- was in the midst of folding, and they basically had one last attempt to try to put like a whole shoe line surrounding an, an unknown rookie player who just some guy who you may have heard of uh michael jordan star of space jam of course yes that's uh, all we know about michael jordan apart from the fact that he was one of the greatest sports athletes of all time <laughs> and it's basically uh if you're seeing like my- Films with companies uh, creating something, you know, joining together against all odds, like another movie starring Matt Damon, uh, Ford v Ferrari, and then you'll like this movie. I mean, it's got a great uh, ensemble cast. Uh, Matt Damon is he's damn good as his uh, genuine everyman self. Uh, ben Affleck seems to be going into like character mode nowadays by hmm. playing like I'm, in I'm this case. It yeah like in this case he's playing oh uh, uh he's like playing case... like a yeah philip knight who was the ceo of nike and he's like this faux buddhist sort of like uh new agey wannabe type uh <laughs> like he sees himself as like sort of like a like a shaman essentially of like the whole company and it, it's funny in like a very very 80s businessman type of way except uh he needs to be doing way more like i don't know much about uh philip knight personally but how this movie portrays him he needs to be doing way more cocaine he's <laughs> too zen for this type of business <laughs> yeah maybe or well, everyone else needs to be blowing rails somewhere but like i find this sort of trend of movies that we're getting now of like this sort of the the of what i'm going to call boardroom dramas where it's like sort of it's 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 the exciting stories but the behind the scenes of what happens <laughs> you know like the, the origin stories of things but from a much less interesting perspective or it's like making underdog stories out of billion dollar companies which i understand a lot of these companies sort of came from nothing and like you know they ran, went on to become huge successes but i don't really buy it with nike <laughs> to be honest and i mean I also find, yeah, this trend of movies, because I think we're getting a BlackBerry movie. Uh, I think that played at Sundance this year. 
the Tetris movie, I believe, is something kind of like that, except there's sort of like a Cold War espionage angle to that one. There's another movie along this sort of type, but I'm just thinking, why is this all happening now when the social network was over a decade ago, and why didn't this all happen, like, on the coattails of the social network? Like, even Barbie could be alongside this. We don't know much detail about it, but even Barbie could be along this type of thing. It could be about the creation or, or, or both or fantasy. That's the thing, but we don't know much about it. So even that could just be part of this trend. But yeah, it's mm. it's a very strange trend. Yeah. Yeah. And even and even as well, like the post you look at the poster and it's like my, my immediate thoughts looking at that is like, well that's just a big short. Like the way that like the sort of geometric shapes and like all of the characters, even like the sort of poses that they have on that poster looks almost exactly like the big short. <laughs> But yeah, I still need so, to see that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it since it came out, and I was a dumb teenager when that came out, so I don't know. I I remember it being nowhere near as obnoxious as Adam McKay's uh, later work, but that really is a very low bar to clear. Um, but in terms of this movie, though, I don't really buy it as the corporate underdog story because it's a, they're, <laughs> they're a billion-dollar company. But in but what sells it and what sells you on the sort of drama is all of the performances. And yeah, Ben Affleck is a good director. And while watching this, I'm like, look, nobody remembers Live By Night. So I'm just going to say that stupid Batman movie and the development hell and the, what DC sort of kept us away. We missed maybe a good five years of probably two other Ben Affleck directed features. And, you know, I want to say more of it. The guy's a good director. And specifically, whenever, you know, Michael Jordan's parents and when they, whenever Michael Jordan has meetings, the choice to make him, like, sort of like Vera from Cheers, if you ever watch Cheers where you never actually see Vera's face, you never actually see Michael Jordan's face, but it's not made for, like, comedic effect or anything. The movie knows it's, like, nothing, no actor they, they can get can match that sort of character, can, can match Michael mm. the, the thing of Michael Jordan. So he's only ever shown in like archival footage of the real Michael Jordan and you just see the back of this actor's head. And like he maybe has like two mm. lines of dialogue or something like that, yeah. Mm. And the use of archival footage was pretty well done, I gotta say, especially in that climactic moment. Mm. Like in yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, basically the, like... The postscript goes on a bit too long, but like you need... It, the postscript mm. is about five minutes. It's like, I haven't seen one that long since maybe like the Friday Night Lights movie. <laughs> It does go on very long because just just when I thought it was over, like in you know, like a phone call, and it's like, oh, there's more. Oh, okay, all right, I'll have to sit back and relax and see the rest of it. <laughs> but yeah, th this is mainly a performance showcase, as you said. Affleck's Affleck's having fun. Damon's a good sort of everyman. Um, it's nice to see Chris Tucker back in movies again, like in dramatic, yes. like in like as like sort of like levity and dramatic movies. I'm I'm loving I'm loving that. Uh, Chris Messina, who is name on the poster, but he's not on the poster, is just doing the, having the time of his life playing the biggest dickhead sports agent you will ever meet. <laughs> yeah, Jason Bateman's good. Viola Davis just owns every single scene that she's in. But for me, the MVP is Matthew Marr, who is a character actor that's been around for a while. And like, I... I've I've seen him in things before, but what really caught my attention was a film last year called Funny Pages, which he yes. is excellent in, and he plays a, a weirdly similar sort of role in this film. And uh, like he's probably only in it for like ten minutes, but like 
Todd, put this guy in everything. Just give this guy like a 10 minute scene in a movie and he'll just blow you away. He's great. He's created obsession in both movies. It's just alarming and <laughs> it look, it cre- creepy and very funny. <laughs> yes, funny pages. If you haven't seen that, please go for that. Yeah, it's get around to that. Movie. Yeah. But like, I mean, we were talking about it uh, here. Like, I think, you know, with, with um, Super Mario Brothers movie, and we were talking about uh, the music there. This one, it's like, hey, it's the 80s. Did you know that it's the 80s? I don't think you know that it's the 80s. Let's play another strong eight, early to mid 80s hit for you. Like, they're coming at you a mile a minute. Like, I, I, didn't, I couldn't even keep notes for all of the different ones that they're in. But it's, it, it's just a deluge of like 80s songs. And it's like, yeah, I know, we're, we're, we're still in the 80s. I got it. Don't worry. There's even a Beverly, Beverly Hills cop theme in there. There is, as yeah. Well. Just, yeah. Just threw that in for the hell of it. <laughs> it is yeah. just a barrage. <laughs> mm. But I'm wondering if this sort of fits in the category of like sports movies for people who don't like sport. Because like, as I was thinking, there's like, uh, there was another movie I saw recently that had, that I described as that sort of way. Like, I think money, like, you know, it's Moneyball as well. I think a lot of people describe Moneyball as like that. It's like, you know, sports movie for people who don't like sports. Mm, I think Moneyball will be part of that for sure. But yeah, I think like, this is a film that I think like, it will do well. And like, you know, I think this was originally meant to go to HBO Max, but then it was sort of bought by Amazon Studios. And then, so it's going to, and then Amazon are giving it a theatrical release through MGM and Warner Brothers in, you know, different territories, and then they're going to put it on their platform. So I think it's, it's really good. It's really good and smart counter programming to the Mario Brothers movie. Hmm. Definitely a streaming movie because eighty percent of it is just set in the office. It's not like yeah. the hugest budget, but like they mm. they make it work. Like that, I think Affleck makes it visually interesting, and like you know all of these sort of intense board like all of these intense boardroom meetings, but like all of these meetings, he makes the kids. The camera work's still quite dynamic, and like you know the you know the the actors are commanding the attention of the of the camera essentially, and you know that's it's it's well done. It's well done. It, I didn't love it, but like it's it's good. To, it's it's a good film. Mm, it's very solid, yes. Yeah, like I think if you're if you're a sneakerhead or if you love basketball, you're gonna be you're gonna just lap this up. Like it's it's it, it, it this is the movie for you. Like everyone talks about dad movies, and like you mentioned Ford v Ferrari, like you know the the Mount Everest of dad movies. Like this also falls along that category. Absolutely, it, it's so it's if you of the dad movie some stuff, it's definitely worth a watch. All right, so that was Air. Um, it is coming out. It is in cinemas from today. Um, again, as I said, great counter-programming for all the dads who don't want to take their kids to the Mario Brothers movie and just want to, you know, see, you know, the ultimate dad movie. Um, something that dads may not want to go to, though, is the French film. I don't know. You might have arty dads. I don't know. I don't. I certainly don't. Um, uh, hi, Dad, if you're listening. But, uh, yeah, the French Film Festival has been going on. It's actually just about to end uh, the Alliance Francaise French Film Festival at Palace Cinemas locations all across the country. Um, I've want, I have wanted to see more films that I've ended up seeing. Uh, I've only seen three out of the thing. I know Harris has seen a lot more than I have, but uh, there's a film playing from a filmmaker that we both love, that we both got to catch at the festival that we want to talk about. Yes, so it is from Quentin Dupont. I believe it's pronounced his uh, pronounce his name correctly, also known as Mr. Oizo, and the film is Smoking Causes Coughing. You may have seen the trailers, 
uh, it does look like some Power Rangers superhero thing about a, a superhero team called as Tobacco Force who are fighting strange creatures like uh, there's this one that looks like a, a, a rhino or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a giant it's, tortoise um, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And they, they kill they're the Tobacco Force, they say don't smoke, but they kill them with the power of smoking essentially like you know i think one of them is is ammonia one of them is nicotine one of them is i don't know smoke i, I can't remember like what all their names are but they're, they're all ridiculous and they're overseen by a uh, a anthropomorphic rat with uh, that is constantly having phlegm dribble from its mouth <laughs> that's is somehow um a <laughs> that is somehow uh, quite quite the catch with the ladies somehow Oh, no. this, this film this film is only 80 minutes but it is just pure madness and it's just everything that i would have wanted from quentin de pure whose other film incredible but true which i would also recommend to people to check out which i caught at the melbourne international film festival last year nowhere i don't know this dude just keeps making crazy films this movie was like i thought incredible but true was a bit strange but this is easily i think is weirdest the weirdest film he's made to date <laughs> That's the thing about the trailer, like the American trailer anyway. It only showcases the superhero part, which is oh, yeah. essentially what like, does what, it. The third, yeah, it only it just shows the superhero part. It's like it's because the superhero part is like a third of the film at most. Mm. The rest of it is just these guys out in this camping retreat, you know, learning about teamwork and whatnot, and they're yeah. telling these campfire stories. And most of the film is like this anthology. Horror anthology of stories that lead nowhere. No, they do hilarious. Oh, they're so good. Um, yeah. So it's it's uh, yeah. Take that, Steven Spielberg. Your treatise on storytelling, The Fableman Who. Like this is this is the <laughs> ultimate. This is the ultimate movie about storytelling that has been made. And no, obviously I'm joking. The Fableman's is incredible, but so is this. This movie is just ridiculous, and in the best way possible. Where else are you going to see a movie? where the film will take a 10 minute tangent to to hear a uh, a barracuda who is being cooked on a stove you're gonna take 10 minutes away from the movie you're watching to hear a story from a barracuda being cooked on a stove about a woman who, tenderly taking care of a sentient bucket of blood and entrails that used to be her nephew and the sto- and you don't get a resolution to the story because guess what the barracuda just completely cooks and you never get to hear the end of it <laughs> see it's the type of moments in a film like that even if we told other people they wouldn't believe us no they would just watch the movie to know it for themselves believe me you're gonna want to watch this film if you like weird shit and it, oh, this is it, your best bet. It has a, I mean, I didn't think that uh, De Pure had this kind of pull. I know that he's gotten like great, really great French actors in his movies. Like a couple of films ago, one of, well, actually, the only film of his that I actively dislike, Deerskin, that movie managed to get Jean de Jardin and uh, Adele Hanel as the two leads of that film, who were like, you know, massive, massive actors in France. But again, this movie has a huge, huge ensemble cast. <laughs> And it's like, how? Like, I haven't seen, like, Vincent Lacoste, who I know is more of a dramatic actor, seeing him in this sort of role was 
bizarre. Like I also saw November at the um at the at the um uh, French Film Festival this year, and there's an actress in that who's playing, you know, an anti-terrorist sort of uh, agent within this within this organization, and she plays this woman who is obsessed with this anthropomorphic puppet of a rat and is madly in love with him for whatever reason and is it's it's like like you might just imagine making this up but imagine like splinter from teenage mutant ninja turtles it's like Mm, as a sex womanized yeah yes as a it's like my god like how where does the Pope come up with his ideas? I don't know, but just, God bless him. Just keep, I just want him to make, like, and he made two of them, like, he made um, Incredible But True and what's it, and um, this film, Back to Back. Just keep making these movies. Like, I don't know if they're independently funded or if it's all studios or if it's back, to, I mean, it w- I would love it if the French government are, are, are funding these sorts of movies. But, oh, just keep making these movies, man. They're all incredibly weird 86 minutes absurdist comedies that are just unlike anything you'll see and i don't even know if anyone will can emulate this sort of style no and in terms of superhero stuff like we do have other superhero movies out there but i don't think it can be better than this absolutely (laughs) not i think so so i don't know if this is going to get a proper release in australia i know i think it's releasing or we're soon to be released in the u.s uh at some point but i know umbrella pick umbrella entertainment have the rights for it here in australia so i'm assuming it will get a release of some kind whether that's a theatrical run or if it'll just go straight to dvd or blu-ray i mean umbrella have been doing some great Umbrella have been doing some great stuff within the physical media space. Like, are one of the last people to actually be doing really good stuff here in Australia with that. So I really hope there's some really good, uh, like, and I think they've released a couple of De Pure's films. So give us a, De, qu, qu, there is a, I want a Quentin De Pure box set of Blu-rays from uh, Umbrella. That would just be <laughs> remarkable. I need that right. I need that yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I can't recommend this movie enough. It is just unhinged madness, and it all it's all the better for it. <laughs> just thinking yeah, about just... it makes me laugh. <laughs> hmm. uh, I mean, and yeah, he does get good actors. Like um, a- a- Adele Exocopolis has been in the last couple of his films. Like, <laughs> I don't know how and, like, he does he ha- it. It's not he like has his the highest rank- budgets. No, they don't. Mm. Like, all of these movies, they're not... I mean, they are, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say low budget. They're not cheap, but they lean into the low budget, like, really, Mm. really well. And I think, you know, that's where a lot of the humour, I think, comes... Like, that's where a lot of the... I don't know. Like, this movie is like if... I don't know. How how would you describe Quentin DePure to someone who has never seen any of his films? Uh... (laughs) I don't want to say very French. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Would you just say it's like, it's like if Wes Anderson grew up reading only Mad Magazine? Because that's like sort of how I would sort of describe it. <laughs> Without the symmetry. <laughs> yeah. Everything's off kilter. <laughs> oh, weird. 
Yeah, but just before we finish up, is that you've so you've seen a fair few more films from the British film, um, English, French. <laughs> I fucked up three times there. Um, is there any other films that you want to briefly mention from what you've seen there? Because, uh, like, from what it looks like, there's been a pretty good lineup this year. I just haven't been able to get around to nearly as many as I've wanted to. Yeah, so basically, I've seen like around nine films. Uh, one of the best ones being uh, Saint Omer, a courtroom drama that you may have heard a lot of buzz about last year, which I mm. thought was very well done. And I've also saw two Virginia Ephira films. One of them being uh, Other People's Children, which is a, a great, a great uh, drama about a mother who's basically uh, um, wanting to be a no, no, not a mother. It's about a woman. He's basically lived in a like in a middle age, and then she basically wants to become a mother. And the drama that comes from that is directed by Rebecca Zolotowski, who I think is a very talented director. And has great other made other great films, and we also have the uh, One Fine Morning, which is the latest film from Mia Hansen Love, which stars Leah Seydoux, which I am a very great mm. fan of. I'm sure many yeah. people know that. Le- Leah Seydoux, yeah. Virginia, uh, Virginia Efra, like uh, pretty much any waspy French blonde is Harris's type essentially <laughs> yeah and speaking of a, another actress who's not a waspy blonde <laughs> is uh Lorraine Calam I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right who's in a film called uh Annie's Fire or Angry Annie which is an English title I do not like it's basically about a woman who's becomes pregnant and is set in like the 70s or 60s and who's seeking an abortion and because that she seeks an abortion, she wants to join the cause of making, you know, abortions, mm. you know, free and uh, basically free. And uh, so women can have a positive choice in their bodies. And I thought that was a very great drama as well. Yeah. And well, we also have other dramas. I just want to say, like, because I've seen the trailer, like nearly, I think nearly every film I saw at the French Film Festival had that trailer in front of it. And the only thing I can think of filming it is like, this just looks like a... Like, it's still a drama, obviously, but it's like, this just looks like a lighter version of um, Happening, um, the Audrey Devan film. Like, a it much lighter, it's like that film, but with a much lighter tone. <laughs> yes, there's definitely no graphic depictions of any kind, unlike mm. in Happening. Yeah, so, great, yes, great film, though, much... Happening. If you haven't seen that, get, a, mm. get, get around it, but um, a viewer discretion advised. Yes. And what other films did I see? I saw a film called Masquerade. Which is from uh, Nicholas Fedos, who directed yeah, who the film uh, La Belle, La Belle Epoque. Epoque. Which, yeah, that's yes. uh, Westworld for Boomers, as I described that film, which I, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. That was kind of cool. That, that, like, sort of reliving your youth and, like, sort of, like, rejecting, you know, rejecting old age and, like, you know, being free spirits and whatnot. I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was good. Mm. But Masquerade, though, and, I cut you off. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Masquerade, it's basically like those uh, 60s. Uh, thrillers where uh it's like rich people in rich settings with a lot of double lot of backstabbing a lot of sex a lot of uh, double crossing and it's it's a great fun film in that way it's kind of like a little bit of a uh, talented mr ripley and you got like this great ensemble cast you got like a uh, repeat actors from the first two like pierre nini you got isabel Gianni, who many people know from the movie uh possession, possession. Yeah, that, that, I'm and convinced you... that woman does not age. She's like in her mid sixties. She's in her mid sixties or maybe even seventies now, and she still looks incredible. She's still one of the hottest people in the cast, and, and that's saying something. <laughs> and 
also we have another movie sorry that's just a lot of movies i'm trying to remember here uh we have another laura kalami film called the origin of evil which is basically about a about a woman who discovers that she is a daughter of a rich patriarch in a rich family and she basically uh, inadvertently swoops in and uh, becomes the inheritor of a large massive fortune but it turns out that maybe there's a mystery behind a character that she may or may not be the inheritor as she claims to be and i thought it was a very great mystery drama there with a lot of fun twists in it and also we have the remake of one cut of the dead oh Coupez. Yes, Coupez. the French title. And that's the film you have seen. Yeah. I have seen that. Yeah. Um. So I, I can briefly talk about this. Yeah. So I saw this was the very last film I saw at the Melbourne Film at Melbourne International Film Festival. I sort of had the thing of like, oh, in 2019, the last film that I saw was a film called was The Farewell. So I want to make my last film this uh, of this myth to be final cut. Like I'm, I'm a man of fitting farewells. And I'm also someone who thinks that One Cut of the Dead is low-key one of the greatest films ever made about filmmaking. Like, I think that film is genius. Um, I absolutely love it. And that movie was made for, I think, a budget of like 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 $25,000 or something ridiculous like that. So, like, no money. Like, really scrappy filmmaking. Absolutely loved it. You know, this being a bigger budget French film from the director of The Artist with a surname that I'm not even going to bother to pronounce because I'm going to mess it up. Um, and it has an incredible cast, and with that sort of budget, it does definitely lose some of that scrappiness and that sort of chaotic inventiveness that the original film have had. But I do think that there is a couple of instances that this film does better than the original. And it actually works in the original film into the narrative in quite an interesting way. Exactly. Like, it goes through the concepts of localization. Like, how does the film that you're remaking fit into the country that you're in that you're making of like yeah and there's this like creative control and lots of like talks between the creators as well as the french film crew going like yeah but this doesn't make sense in japanese it makes sense it makes sense in french but it doesn't make sense in japanese and vice versa and there's even a joke in the film where all the characters names in the film that they're remaking yeah. are japanese and still the japanese <laughs> names yeah because you know yeah because of the structure if you haven't seen one cut of the dead i'll try not to spoil it but how it's structured it sort of introduces one thing and then slowly it sort of reveals how everything sort of got to that point at the end of it yeah but yeah i i I quite like this one like i was expecting the worst because i remember the it didn't quite because it opened khan this year which i think is crazy but also, I don't think it was very well received there either, because I think, you know, a lot of people are like, how dare you remake One Cut of the Dead? It's like, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a, it's sacred ground. Like, you know, it's like probably one of the best no budget films that's ever been, that's been made in like the last 10 years. Like, how dare you? One of the most inventive horror films that's been made in the last couple of years. But I think, it, as I said, though, even though this is a higher budget and it does lose a little bit on that front, I still think it's a, quite a solid uh, remake and actually does a little, does a lot with the adaptation uh, that I wasn't expecting it to. I thought it was just going to be a shot-for-shot remake and pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. Yeah. And I can't resist Berenice Bejo. Yeah, an and she's... Wait. And I, when I when I found out, because I haven't seen her in too much, I think the only thing I've seen her in is, um before this, was um Childhood of a Leader, the um, Brady Corbett's uh, debut film. Which, by the way, even though I didn't like Vox Lux, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't made another movie yet. 
I do know he has one. He has one in the pipeline? Okay. Yes, yeah. I do know he has one. I've got what it's called, but he definitely does have one. It's coming soon. But yeah, but Bernice Boyo? Boyo? I know know she's from Argentina and then moved to France when she was young, but yeah, so Bernice Boyo, I think, yeah, she's, especially for that role, I was like, oh, she's going to be excellent in this. Like, because that, that character, the, the, the lengths that that character goes to is pretty, is pretty nuts. And, you know, the, the, the actress who played her in the original was also great. So she had a lot to live up to. And I'm pretty sure she, she matches it. She definitely matches it. Yep. And there's no, like, copying what the other character did either. So you're not going to no, hear, not like, really. yeah, you're not going to hear the trademark word POM in the film if you're scared of that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but actually all of this talk about French cinema actually does remind me of a film that I can briefly talk about that if I mentioned Air being counter-programming to Mario, I can also mention another film that's actually out this week that is the most counter of programming to all of these films, and that's EO. Oh, I never see you, that. Yeah, so I've, I've never seen the Brisson film, uh, Or Hazard Baltazar, well, okay, again... Bad with names, bad mm-hmm. with pronunciations, but I haven't seen the Brisson film that this is mostly inspired by. And also, rather shamefully, I am not familiar with the work of uh, Jerzy Skalomowski. Again, bad, horrible, horrible with names. But yeah, this is a movie about a donkey. It just follows a donkey who I think it gets... I, I can't remember what the impetus for it, if it's sold by its owner or leaves its owner. And it just follows this donkey for 80-odd minutes and it's adventures essentially and the reason why it comes like it, it reminded me in terms of talking of french films because out of nowhere isabelle Huppert shows up in this film uh and has like a a brief scene in it and interacts with the donkey it interacts with the donkey for a little bit um i can't remember if she's playing herself or like just like a very like a sort of a version of herself or like a, a mm. character a julia uh, julia an isabelle Huppert-esque sort of uh figure but yeah, she's in it for a little bit. There's a, a point where like uh, it stumbles across like a soccer game and like becomes good luck for the team and then sort of uh, becomes like their mascot for a little bit. Um, it has donkey, something they've called donkey vision, which is like donkey dreams, which are all red and black and like like all aerial drone shots that look fucking cool as hell. Um, yeah, it, go see EO. It's, it's, again, it's only 80-odd minutes of a donkey being a donkey. Um yeah there's again be advised uh there might be uh, it's been i haven't seen it since myth so uh look just look at the ratings um if if this intrigues you um you know it got nominated for um the best foreign language feature award this year i'm i'm gonna be re-watching it because i i wasn't huge on it but i was like i quite like this yeah go see you you can tell that we yeah you can tell it's been a year and change since i've done a podcast but man, like I, I do need to see more films involving donkeys. We have had Banshees in a Sharon, so we have to follow mm. on from there. Yeah, but they brought <laughs> that's what I was annoyed with at the um at the Oscars. They brought Jenny out on stage, but like just bring another donkey out and say, Hey, look, Eo's here too. Oh yeah, what a missed opportunity on that one. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, any any other movies you want to mention other if not, we'll have to wrap up. Uh, that's pretty much all that will be. Uh, I am seeing Pope's Exorcist tomorrow evening. Oh, oh yeah, that's that the other film. Be... That's the other big release. Again, count, uh, the most counter of programming. So a lot of choices this Easter. 
you can either see the Mario Brothers movie, you can see Air, you can see the kids movie, the dad movie, the weirdo movie, or the other, the weird dad movie, which is the Pope's Exorcist. I don't know. EO, EO or the Pope's Exorcist is the weird dad movie. Mm. <laughs> A lot of great choices there, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I actually don't know too much about the Pope's Exorcist. I'll, I might just go see it out of curiosity. Hey, we can't resist Russell Crowe doing yeah. an Italian accent. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> he does an Italian accent because he's playing a real-life figure. <laughs> therefore, he has to do an Italian accent. Oh, my goodness. And that okay. could be the scariest thing in the film. You've just sold... Look, <laughs> look, look, you've just sold a ticket just there. Like, <laughs> like, you don't even need to send... Like, whatever, you don't even need to send Sony a review. You can just say, hey, look, at least one person... Has told I've convinced at least one person to go see it based on what I've said. <laughs> the funny thing is that the subject of Pope's Exorcist is also a subject of the documentary that uh, William Freakin and Mark Kermode made. So I oh. cannot wait to hear Mark Kermode review this movie <laughs> with Muscle Crow doing an Italian accent. Oh man, he's the fighting priest. I can imagine. I don't know. I'm just imagining the South Park thing about. <laughs> Russell Crowe, but like he's also he's a priest as well, somehow also a priest fighting around the world. <laughs> and why not get some thirty odd foot of grunt music in there too while we're at it? Just go go full crow. <laughs> but anyway, it is good to be as much as I've struggled this episode. It is good to be back podcasting. And it's been good to have Paris on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I have you, uh, and with the podcast being back, I'm also going to start back up again. The one that we did one episode of, the, our Australian film series of Podcast at Hanging Rock. I'm going to get that back up and going. I also have a new idea for a show that uh, not, I'm not ready to confirm yet because it's still sort of in the works. But with Podcast at Hanging Rock, I've got a massive Excel spreadsheet of about 30 people with the films they wanted to do, including Harris, who I believe said you were keen to cover Man from Hong Kong, if I am not mistaken. Yes, yes, that is correct, absolutely. Yeah, and that, will, and that will open up the doors into the beautiful world of Brian Trenchard-Smith for the podcast to just delve right into, which that'll be... I think that might be a good starting point to get into his work. Who, you know, the king of B-movies, Brian Trenchard-Smith. Yes, yes. Where to go, BTS? Yes. Yeah, and then I think George Lazenby is a villain as well. Like I'm, I'm keen to do this. Whenever we get that, do like this is some good sizzle for whenever that episode comes out. So, Harris Dang appearing on an episode for Man from Hong Kong for when we cover it on podcast at Hanging Rock. It's gonna go off. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> But if people want to read your work or just follow your film musings or see any of the amusing films from Hong, like any of the amusing clips from Hong Kong action cinema that you frequently post, uh, where can people find you out on the internet? Yep. So most of my coverage will be on Twitter. So the, my Twitter handle is at Filmomatic. So F I L W M O M A T I C. And you can also follow me on Instagram, which is also at the Fumomatic, again, so F-I-L-M-O-M-A-T-I-C. And you can also find me on writings on the AU Review or Impulse Game. Awesome. As for us, you know, um, I'll just put all of the... I I'm, I'm not going to waste people's time by 
saying all of these things. I'm just going to put all of our links are going to be in the show notes. Um, find us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever. You can find me there too, all in the links. Please subscribe. Keep up to date. ABMP is back. Get excited, guys. But thank you for listening. But for now, we'll see you later.